Your experience at Joy Church will be unlike any church service you have ever attended before. We are not about religion. We are about a relationship with God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. At Joy Church, you'll hear live and vibrant praise and worship music. You will be loved and encouraged. You will be confident that your children will learn about Jesus in a fun and safe environment. You'll be assured that your youth will be loved and accepted not only for who they are, but challenged to become who they were created to be. At Joy Church, God's Word is delivered through creative, humorous, and relative teaching that will help you apply the Bible to your life. There is a place here at Joy Church just for you, where you can begin to develop a vibrant and exciting relationship with Jesus Christ and discover your divine destiny. Amen. We began last weekend here in the house, so we're going to review just a little bit so all of our thousands of folks online can be ministered to. We begin a subject matter called Bad Hair Day, and I love the subtitle, How to Turn Your Bad Days into Your Best Days. This is something that I wrote literally months ago, but it is so applicable for the hour in which we live. Anybody in the house ever had a bad hair day? Man, I, I'm looking at you. Some of you had it today. Today is your day. And you people online, look at you. You didn't even shave before you came to this live stream. We've all had bad hair days, have, 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 have we not? I, 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 now listen, I, I must admit I shared this uh, last weekend. I don't really have bad hair days because of the hairspray that I use. It is ultra mega hold. It, you spray it on. I've had this same hairdo since I was in seventh grade. I don't think my hair has moved since then. I really do not. Now, my wife, on the other hand, is beautiful. Come on, come on. Come on. She's, she's, she's beautiful. But we've all had bad hair days. My hair, I don't have bad hair days, but I do have bad hair color days. Uh, and, and you can see my true color beginning to shine through. Uh, those of you online uh, here for the very first time, uh, I, do, I dye my hair. I unashamedly tell everybody I found a scripture that supports my position. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 31, Paul said, I die daily. <laughs> now, as you know, I changed it a little bit to I die monthly, but I, I do dye my hair. But how many know, no matter what you do, no matter how you dye your hair, it can't cover up ugly? No, it, it, it just can't. And there's certain things that dyeing your hair will not cover up. Check it out. Hey, girl, hey! hey. <gasps> OMG, you changed your hair! I know, it's so much darker. I did. I was just so tired of the blonde jokes. I was getting them everywhere I went. As if I deserve them or something. I don't even get those anyway. Oh, too much math. I agree. Totally over my head. Yeah. Well, what do you say? We get you some new clothes to go through your hair. <gasps> Great idea. Let's do a makeover. Oh, I love you <laughs> We should go to the mall. I know a shortcut. OMG, where are we? Like, my phone doesn't even work out here. Oh my gosh, look at the sheep over there. They're so cute. They're so fluffy. Oh, I've always wanted one of those. Me too. How many do you think that there are? Oh, like a thousand and nine. Like 16. Really? I think there's like 352. Since I'm not blonde anymore, watch me try this. 
Hey, Mr. Shepherd, come over here. Yes, ma'am. So my friends and I were just having a bet about how many sheep you have. If I guess the correct number, can I keep one? Yes, ma'am, I think we can make a deal like that. Okay. How many think you I got? Um, I think you have 352. That's exactly how many I have. I knew it. Which one you want? I'll take that one. He's so cute. That one over there? Yeah. All right, before I load him in the car, I'll make another deal with you. If I can guess your natural hair color, can I keep my dog? <laughs> oh, come on. You're... The people here in the house, they didn't get that. Online, I know you got that. Now, I know we're in some challenging times, but how many know in challenging times you need to laugh? You really do. You, it, it's easy to laugh when everything is going well. It is entirely important to laugh when things are challenging. Now, that video didn't help us laugh, but you need to laugh uh, anyway. Let's take a look at our key verse, Ephesians chapter 6, and we'll look at verse 13. We had somebody online uh, that saw us for the very first time on Wednesday that they said th their comment was, that pastor is bouncy. <laughs> So those of you online, please know I am a bouncy pastor. I am guilty of that. Most pastors, they just sit up there and they've got their little latte and their skinny jeans and all that. I can't do that. I'm bouncy. I've got to move around. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 13 said the bouncy pastor. I love uh, this verse. Check it out. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. Everybody say the whole armor that you may be able to withstand, the Greek word here is the Greek word antihistamine, literally means a covenant to resist, we get a word antihistamine from it, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, then the next verse goes on to say stand therefore, it doesn't say fall, but stand therefore, notice the phrase evil day. This is what we're talking about. We use a little figurative term, bad hair day, but we've all had an evil day. Right now, we're living in an evil day, but I want you to notice this. This is really huge. The evil day is when we have negative circumstances come our way. We've all been there, but I want you to get this. In the Bible, the evil day is simply known in singularity, evil day. But notice what the Bible says in Psalms 23, 5, and 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days, plural, of my life. 1 Peter 3, 10, the Bible says, if you want to love life and see good, days. Now, I'm not telling you that the evil circumstance is only going to last one day, but I am telling you God's good days will always outlast the devil's evil day. You believe that? That's worth coming for right there. Now let's jump into it because this church, if you're brand new with us, we're not about just telling you what. We're always about telling you how. So we always give you steps to walk this thing out practically. I don't want to preach at you. I want to talk to you. I want to give you something that you can uh, use on Monday. So we began to share with you last time nine different things that we can turn our bad days into our best days. Let's review very quickly and we'll jump into new territory today, and I think it's going to help a lot. Check it out. Number one, recognize you might be heading in the right direction. Now, now this is huge, and I really want you to see this in the right direction. 
Most people, when they experience the evil day, when negative circumstances come their way, we are so unrighteous conscious that we normally think if something negative is coming my way, I must have done something wrong. But what if you're heading in the right direction? I don't watch a lot of people, they don't understand that. I believe with all of my heart that all, listen, listen to me very closely. God did not cause or allow. I've heard a lot of that recently from good preachers. Or allow coronavirus. It comes from the enemy. It comes from the cursed world. And it is designed to take us away from the Word of God and take us away from people. And it will not last forever. This will be in our rearview mirror. And I believe that we're heading in the right direction, not in the wrong direction. Let me give you three thoughts that support this. Check it out. Number one, with divine opportunity comes demonic opposition. I've seen that over and over again. Second thing that we talked to you about is your enemy surface when you begin to make progress. So many times you're walking forward in the things of God. You're beginning to make progress, and that's when your enemies begin to surface. We found from 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 9 that there was a great door of opportunity, Paul said, that was opened unto me. Watch this now. With many adversaries. So many times there's an open door, but there are adversaries in front of that door. And why? It's because I am heading not in the wrong direction, but in the right direction. Third thing that we begin to talk to you about is if you've never had a head-on collision with the devil, chances are you're walking with him. The reason that you're butting heads with the enemy right now is because you're heading in the opposite direction of him. Submit yourself, James 4, 7, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's good news. Second thing we began to talk to you about, and number two is remember that in adversity, it is really wisdom's opportunity. We found from Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 14, the Bible says, in adversity, consider. Everybody say consider. Come on now, those of you live streaming with us, just say it out loud. Don't be afraid to do that. That's, this is your family that you're, that you're, and I know, I know for sure that there are literally gathering parties watching this right now. Now, CDC, they're under 10. They told me they were under 10, so that's good. But there are gathering parties right now. So right in your little gathering party, look at your neighbor and just tell them consider. In times of adversity, we need to consider. In other words, this, we share very, three very simple thoughts that will help us understand this. Number one, in adversity, there's three ways to handle it. You can maximize it. That will only make it bigger. Now, 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 now look, everybody give me your eyes for a minute on, online. Let me watch, look at your pastor for a minute. This is really important. I, I, I want you to keep abreast. I want you to be aware. I want you to stay current on what's going on, of course. But you cannot inundate yourself 24-7 with death counts and numbers. And, and, and listen, we are compassionate for every single person, and it is our desire to help every single person that we possibly can, but you cannot, I cannot inundate ourselves with that. Because I'm telling you right now, what gets your attention gets you. 
That is so important. We have an opportunity right now. We have, we have a little bit of time on our hands, some free time, and you can use that free time to either stare at 24-7 coronavirus and the death count and the, and the toll rising and, and masks and all of that, and you just become very scared and very worried, or this can drive you to Fortnite. Either way, not the right way to go. Redeem the time, Ephesians 5.16, because the days are evil. Take advantage of this opportunity that you have. Spend more time with Jesus. Spend more time in his word. Spend more time with your family. Spend more time reaching out to other people, not wasting your life. Second thing that we talked about is publicize it. Telling everyone about your problem will only perpetuate it. Third thing that we talked about is analyze it. This is what the Bible tells us to do. Extract as much constructive information as you possibly can from it. In other words, listen to me closely, in adversity, learn. Now, now why? This life point answers why, and it's pretty simple but powerful. What you learn from, you may not have to repeat. That's the idea. In adversity, consider Third thing that we talked about last week and as we review together is remain calm. And dear me, there are a whole lot of folk in this country that are not remaining calm. Ask toilet paper. The Bible says in Psalms 94 and verse 13 in the Amplified Bible, and I love this, the Bible says that God gives us the ability to remain calm. Proverbs 17 and verse 27, the Bible says that you can have a calm spirit. Right in the middle of adversity, we need to remain calm. And I watch a whole lot of people freak out. Let me give you three thoughts on that that will help you check it out. Number one, there is no perspective in panic. Second thing that we talked about is never panic about what God has anticipated. Listen, I want you to know this whole thing may have mushroomed very quickly, but I also want you to know that God saw it coming. He saw it coming. Third thing I want you to know is just because it shocked you does not mean it surprised God. Why? God is omniscient. That word literally means, break it down, it means all-knowing. God knows everything. God never had an idea. Nothing ever occurred to God. He knows everything. He knows the end from the beginning. It did not surprise him. Don't let it shock you. Now that catches us up to date. Is anybody ready for new territory? Come on, let's grow. This is how to turn your bad day into your best day. Now follow along with me, all of you online. Just put out, turn off that phone unless you're, unless you're looking on, a, on the Bible. Just put, shut out everything else. Put a little tape over your children. Come on, focus now. Fourth thing that we need to talk about is receive godly counsel. If you're going to turn your bad day into your best day, we all need godly counsel. Proverbs 11:14, the Bible says that my people fail without counsel, but there's safety. Ever say safety? Safety in the multitude of counselors. Counselors give us angles. Counselors help us see blind spots. Let me give you eight thoughts about this that'll help you. Number one, check it out. Somebody has already gone through what you're going through. Find them. Somebody has already gone through what you're going through. May I challenge you to find them? They'll help you. They'll, they'll give you perspective. Second thing that you need to know, check it out, is ignorance is found in isolation. 
It really is true. When we isolate ourselves, that's when we become very, very ignorant. Listen to me very closely. Whoever has your ear has your future. That's why it's really important what you're paying attention to right now. In this hour, whoever has your ear has your future. And ignorance really is found in isolation. We become dumber when we're alone. Remember what God said way from the beginning? It is not good for man to be alone. And I mean this with all of my heart. God did not create us to be isolated. That's why I know this is from the enemy. And I'm telling you right now, we're coming out. We're coming out. And I believe we're coming out stronger. Remember that scripture that's just coming to mind? Remember that scripture in Malachi chapter 4 and verse 2? Where, where you, and, and, and all you think Malachi is about is just tithing. Malachi chapter 4 verse 2. Remember the Bible says that, that there was a calf that was released from the stall. I really believe that once we get past this, we're going to be like calves just released from the stall. Get ready. Here comes Bouncy Pastor. <laughs> that was my calf released from the stall. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry, that's all I have. Come on, look to your, look to your neighbor online and say, that was utterly ridiculous. Come on. I'm so, listen, online people, God bless you. There are literally just a few handful of people here, and they're booing. I wish I was with you in your home, in the safety of your home. Third thing that you need to understand is when we are wrong, we tend to run to permission and not to correction. You know that's true. It's human nature. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 3, 19 through 21. He said, when your deeds are evil, we tend to run to the darkness. When our deeds are good, we tend to run to the light. Fourth thing that's true is you can always receive counsel that will support your stupidity. Isn't that a blessing? But isn't that true, though? We can always receive counsel that just will support our stupidity. Look, look, look at the fifth thought is, you can manipulate counsel. You can manipulate counsel you want to hear by who you go to and what you share with them. And boy, that is true. You really can ascertain whatever counsel you want depending on who you go to and the information that you share with them. Sixth thing you need to know is find counsel that will tell you what you need to hear and not just what you want to hear. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. I had a pastor come to me a while back and he had a church of about 100 people. I've been doing this for so long. This is my 36th year of ministry. So I actually have pastors that come to me. They think I know what I'm doing. So they ask me for a little bit of advice. And I had a pastor come to me. It was a while back. And he said, he said, Jim, he said, you know, my church is about 100. I can't really seem to get it over the 100 hump. And and, and I'm just wondering what I ought to do. And, And he was, he said, he was a successful used car salesman. I know that sounds bad, a pastor and a used car salesman. But he was an honest used car salesman, a man of integrity, and, and did it right. And he was very successful at it. And he was honestly making over six figures selling used cars. And so I told him not what he wanted to hear, but what he needed to hear. And what he needed to hear was this. I said, sir, you're going to have to make a choice. Are you a pastor or are you a used car salesman? 
because he was given about a half of his time to each one. He had, his church was large enough to support him, but he didn't want to let go of the big salary they had. And I can understand that. I told him this. I said, listen, if you're called to be a used car salesman, do it heartily unto the Lord. Do it with integrity. There's no shame in that. Matter of fact, the world could use an honest used car salesman. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But if you are called by God to be a pastor, bless God, go ahead and be a pastor. Elisha, you may need to boil your oxen and burn a bridge and go. But you got to make a decision. That is not what he wanted to hear, but it's what he needed to hear. Seventh thing that we need to know about counsel, it's no coincidence, the second wisest man who ever lived wrote the most about receiving counsel. You know who that was? That was Solomon. Jesus was, of course, the wisest, but Solomon wrote the most, Kyle, about counsel, but yet he was the second wisest man in the world of all time. Look at, look at the eighth thing, hand in hand. The man who seemed to need it the least was convinced of its necessity. I don't care how wise you are, we can all, this pastor included, use counsel. So if you want to turn your bad days into your best days, we all need godly counsel. Could I have an amen? amen? Fifth thing that we need to understand is we're turning this whole thing around, and boy, is this applicable to where we are today, is reject feeling alone. Again, I wrote this about four months ago, and yet it is so pertinent to the hour in which we live. Reject feeling alone. Now, now, let me just talk to my live streamers. I know, and I'm really sensing this in my heart right now, that there's a whole bunch of you live streaming. You're all by yourself. There's some of you with other folks, and you have the comfort of family, and that's a good thing, unless you don't like your family. <laughs> unless you're now, okay, okay, I like my family, but I've had enough of my family. <laughs> But there's some of you out there that are watching this alone, and the devil is lying to you. Nobody loves you. Nobody cares about you. You're all alone. Look at this, Pastor. That is a lie. That's a lie. You are not alone. You are not alone. Someone in the Bible had the same problem you did. His name was Elijah, very powerful man of God. Just got finished wiping out the armies of Baal soldiers. Just he was, had a head-on collision with them, a powerful man of God. And now all of a sudden Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you. And he ran and was scared and depressed. And in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 10, the Bible said that he literally felt so alone that he wanted to die. He was suicidal. And God had to reassure him in verse 18, you're not alone. There are 7,000 more people that have not bowed their knee to Baal. You are not alone. And you need to know that. Online, you need to know that. You are not alone. And I, listen, I want everybody in the house... The, the, we need to be praying for those folks. This is our, this is, they're online, but this is our family. This is our church body. This is our church family. People don't do alone very well. I tell you who does not do alone well? This person. Check it out. Hey.
Good choice. What's your favorite game? Don't know yet. I was only buying it because my wife left me. I was lonely, upset, and sad. Oh. Sorry to hear that, man. Don't feel bad for me. I got a dog, bought a new motorcycle, have an entertainment set that would make George Lucas so jealous. My wife's gonna be really upset when she gets home from work today. Oh, come on, you gotta be laughing online. You gotta be laughing online. There are not enough people here to laugh, I can tell you that right now. Uh, no, listen, listen to me very closely. You are not alone. Let me give you three thoughts about this because this is so important. I really want to, from the heart of God, minister to you. Number one, check it out. If you look at your problem as special, it will be especially hard to overcome. Right now, I think that's a temptation because of what we're walking through. It's like, oh my goodness, you know, we've never gone through this. If you look at your problem as special, it will be especially hard to overcome. Your, your Bible tells you, I quoted it earlier, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, that with any temptation that comes, there is a way, there is a road, there is an odas of escape. There's a way out. There are other people going through what you're going through, and I want you to know that. And there are people that have overcome what you need to overcome, and you might as well go ahead and be the next one. Now, the few people that are here today are starting to come alive. I hope you're joining me there online, doing the same thing. Second thing you need to know, and this is more applicable when we regather, but I'll talk to you about it, make it applicable now. If you come to church to find a friend, you won't find them anywhere. I say this all the time, but if you come to church to be a friend, you will find them everywhere. Listen to me closely. I know right now we're practicing social distancing and we're being wise and we're, you, you know, I get all of that, but text somebody. Reach out to somebody. Don't, don't just sit there alone and wait for someone to reach out to you. Find someone hurting worse than you are and so where you want to go. That's one of my keys where I don't get down. I don't, don't get discouraged. If I ever feel discouragement trying to crawl up my hind leg, I start reaching out to others. God hardwired us in such a way that when we do little things for other people, it makes us happy. So reach out, text, invite somebody, tell someone about this online streaming. Tell someone out Wednesday at 7, we're going to be talking about Psalms 91. Reach out to someone, don't turn inward, turn outward. You gotta, I gotta have purpose beyond our pain. Just helping anybody. And then third thing you need to know is you may be picked on by people, you may be harassed by hell, but you are not alone. You're not alone. Anybody ever feel alone? I, by your response, I'm feeling a little bit that way right now. I tell this story before, and, and it's something that I think you can relate to. Those of you watching us here for the first time online, I was not always the halo wearing, a beautiful sweater wearing pastor that you see before you. I was an alcoholic checking IDs at a bar 38 years ago. And I was a mess. That's why I am such a grateful man to this day for the redemptive power of Jesus Christ. Yeah. But that was me. And, and so I have, I have a very sordid past. I, uh, I was not a nice person before I met Jesus. And I grew up in Akron, Ohio. And, and we had a rival high school in Akron, Ohio. To this day, it was Copley uh, High School. 
And so there was a big rivalry when I was growing up. And I remember, uh, it's so funny because I told this story. I've told this story numerous times. And I remember one time telling this story with a church full of folks. And I met a a very first time person back in our guest services. And guess where they were from? They were from Akron, Ohio. And guess where they went to school? Copley. So those of you from Copley High School that are watching me online, I will meet you after this service and I'm going to beat your brains in. In love, totally in love. Of course, I'm kidding, but that's why I used to go uh, to Copley High School, and, and my high school was Firestone, and they were rival high school, and I would go to the football game, not to watch a football game, but I'd go to pick fights, because again, I was a heathen, and forgive me, I, just, I didn't know anybody, I didn't know Jesus. And so I would go to pick fights, and that's why I would go to the rival high school. And I remember I went one time with five or six of my buddies, and we were looking for a fight. And so we met five or six Copley High School guys, and we, you know how uh, young boys are. You know, I, I was 18 years old, 17, something like that, and, and, and we're yelling at each other. I was a leader of my uh, group, and there was another leader of uh, the Copley group, and, and he and I were the ones, you know, barking at each other. You know, I, I don't, we were just yelling at each other, and, you know, uh, Christian words. Hey, praise the Lord. You know, those kind of things. And, 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 and so finally, I, I, we're ready to throw down. We're ready, we're ready to get in a fight. And I, I just happened to, out of my peripheral vision, those of you watching from Watertown looking out of the side of my eyes, uh, I want you to know I noticed that all of my friends were gone. Every one of them. All of my guys were gone. And it was me and six Copley guys and all of my buddies were gone, I felt alone. Thank God the Copley guys had enough honor to allow me and the ringleader of the Copley guys to fight, and I whooped that Copley boy real good. And I noticed after I had the Copley boy down on the ground, and I was whooping him real good, then all of a sudden all of my friends came back. What kind of friends are those? Listen to me closely. I want you to know something. I felt alone. Everybody in this house, everybody online, at some point in your life, you felt alone before. But here's what the Bible tells you in Hebrews chapter 13, 5 and 6. And I love this. God said he will never leave you nor forsake you. I love that. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Now, those are two things, and they're two very different things. Because there are people that can leave you physically, but still be with you in heart. And there are people that are with you physically, but are really not with you in heart. Like really most of the people here today. In the, I know I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I wish I could be with you online. And, and I want you to know God is the exact opposite. He will never leave you, nor forsake you. He'll never leave you physically, nor forsake you spiritually. Never. And I, and I love the Greek language, how it's, it really is a beautiful language. The, the original uh, New Testament was written in what's called Koine Greek. Koine is where we get, it's from Koinonia, where we get communion from, common. Common Greek, Koine Greek, common Greek. It really was like fifth grade readership. It's so that everybody could understand it. But it was a beautiful language and very descriptive. And in the Greek language... It literally reads this way. God said, I will never, no, not ever leave you. I will never, no, not ever forsake you. Never. 
He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. No, not ever. Look at me. You are not alone. You're not alone. Now let me talk to you a little bit about our next thing. We're turning our bad days into our best days, and I think this will really help you in a huge way. Our next one, please, is resist the small picture. And this is our very last one. This is so powerful. Resist the small picture. So many times we are where we are. We're in a difficult time, and this is all we can see. We're, we're literally look right in front of our nose. That's all we can see. Resist the small picture. I, I'm going to just quote these verses. They're, they're powerful, but, but you need to know them. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 17 and 18, where the Bible says, This light affliction is but for a moment. Now, that's how I'm looking at the coronavirus. This light affliction is but for a moment. You say, okay, well, that, that's good. But there's a prerequisite to this light affliction being for a moment. Now, I can't tell you how long it's going to last. All I can tell you is that we, wa- we will walk through this storm. That I can tell you. And I believe that with all of my heart. We, we will regather. And we will not stay ye. We will go ye. And we're going to make a difference. But this light affliction is but for a moment. And here's the key. Here's what makes it a light affliction that is but for a moment. While I look not at those things which are seen. Because the things which are seen are temporary. But I look at those things which are unseen. Because those things which are unseen are eternal. You remember that song they were singing earlier? Even when we don't see it, he's working. That's what we've got to focus on. The things that we see, coronavirus, masks, all of this, that's temporary. But the things that are unseen, they are eternal. They last forever. So may I challenge everybody in the house, keep your eyes and your affections on that which is above. Isaiah 26 and verse 3 Keep your mind stayed on him, and he will keep you in perfect peace. The Hebrew literally reads shalom, shalom. Double perfect peace. But the key and the prerequisite prerequisite is keeping your mind on him, not on all the things that are going on. So what are you looking at today? Because what gets your attention gets you. What you continually mind, you will eventually find. What, what, what you continually see, you will eventually be. What you continually hear will cause you to either fear or have good cheer. Where is your mind? That's key. Let me give you five thoughts about this because this is so true and so helpful. Number one, I want you to look at the big picture. Don't look at what you're going through. Look at what you're going to. Don't look, no, no, no. Don't look at what you're going through. Look at what you're going to. The Bible tells us that in Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2. I love this. In verse 3, where the Bible says, For the joy, this is about Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame. He wasn't look at, looking at what he was going through. That was the cross. He was looking at what he was going to. And that's the right hand of the Father, far above all principality and power, might and dominion in every name that's name. That's what he was going to. Second thing that you need to know to keep your eyes on a bigger picture, number two, the devil wants you to look at the storm around you instead of the seed 
within you. Now, now, now what does that mean? Do you remember in Mark chapter 4? You, you, you remember that? Where, where the Bible, Jesus taught all about the sower sows the word. That was the parable. He talked all about the seed and sowing the seed of the word of God. The seed is the word of God. And you remember what happened? Just like any good preacher, Jesus taught a good lesson and then said, okay, guys, get in the boat. We're going to the other side, Mark chapter 4, 38 through 42. And Jesus taught a good lesson, but Jesus isn't just a teacher. He's a hearer and a doer. He's a teacher and a doer. Or online, he's a viewer and a doer. Isn't that right? And so here comes now. Now he's, he, I love Jesus because he taught it, and now he's going to take him in the classroom and exemplify it. And let's walk through this thing together. And so what's the first thing that happens? He taught him the word of God, sowed the seed, and a storm comes up. And he just, he just got finished teaching them. Anytime the sower sows the word, Mark chapter 4, verse 15, the first thing that happened is the devil comes to steal the word of God. So, what's, so what is, what, what's, what's, he, what's he trying to do? He's trying to get your eyes on the storm that is around you instead of the seed that is within you. Jesus said, we're going to the other side, and then he took a nap. And that's what he expects us to do, to keep our eyes on the word of the living God, the seed that is within us instead of the storm that is around us. Now, now listen to me very closely because this is huge. There is a significant difference between concern and worry. It's okay to be concerned. It is not okay to be worried. What we're going through right now, it's okay to be concerned. It is not okay to be worried. We say, Pastor, how do I know the difference? Listen to me very closely. You can know the difference by this. When you're worried, you no longer have control of the circumstance. It has control of you. No, 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 please don't mistake me. I'm not saying that you can control all of this and that, that's going on. Now, you can control it as far as your house is concerned. But I'm saying as far as the whole country, I'm not saying that. But your attitude, your mindset, your peace, are you controlling it or is it controlling you? Is, is it keeping you awake at night? Is it controlling your thoughts at night where you can't sleep? Is it controlling your thoughts to where your heart begins to palpitate? Is it controlling your thoughts where it begins to burn a hole in your belly? If that's the case, then you are not concerned. You're worried. And this is no time to worry. 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all of your care. The Greek word marimna. Anxiety, worry, casting all of your anxiety and worry on him because he cares for you. The Amplified Bible says he cares for you watchfully and affectionately. God did not create you to worry. He created you, ladies and gentlemen, to be concerned. As I mentioned earlier, crisis is not a time for fearing. Crisis is a time for caring. Third thing we need to know, a leader's number one job is to get and give perspective. Oh, my goodness, I'm watching so much wrong perspective in all of this. It's my job as a leader and your job as a leader to get perspective and then give it away. You say, well, Pastor, I don't really have it. You do now. This whole message is about giving you perspective. 
Wherever you work, you ought to be sharing this. You ought to be right now tweeting these nuggets out to all of your three followers. Fourth thing that you need to understand, check it out. Things are rarely as bad as they initially seem. Listen to me. That's perspective, folks. And I know every once in a while things are as bad as they seem, but that's rare. And then the fifth thing that you need to know, check it out. If you're going to look at the big picture, is you see the float, but God sees the whole parade. I talk about this so much. We're so consumed with the float that's right in front of us. That's our life. But God, the Bible says, Isaiah 46 and verse 10, sees the end from the beginning. He sees the whole parade, Mark. The whole parade. And so the float that's in front of us right now is the the corona float. But listen to me. This float shall pass. God sees the end from the beginning. And I want you to know, if you'll simply apply these truths... Man, I, I, I know sometimes we, we wake up and look out there and in the evil day, it's, and it's the evil day. Yeah. But in the evil day, take unto you the whole armor of God and withstand. Make a stand. Make a stand. That word, uh, withstand, as I mentioned, is antihistamine. And it's not just a, oh, you know, I stand. Okay, in Jesus' name, I rebuke you. It is a covenant to stand. That here I stand and I am not moving. I'm not go- I am not going anywhere. This is not just some little thing I'm trying because I got all excited about a Pastor Jim message. This is something that I am going to withstand in the evil day. There are two kinds of folks in life. When 911 happens and, and the towers fall down, most everybody, you see all the footage, people were running from all of that. But there were a few folks that were running to the building. And running to the rescue. I'll never forget the time. Uh, my wife and I, this is before John was born, and my wife and I were at a, uh, in South Carolina. We're staying in a condo that was being developed, and it was right on lagoons. And in these lagoons, there were all kinds of alligator. And, and during the day, you know, it's, uh, their reptiles are cold-blooded, and so they like to come up on the land, and they like to sun themselves. They like to get their blood warm. And so sometimes the ground is warm, and sometimes they'll stay there early at night. And so we were walking by some lagoons, strolling, hand in hand, just in love. And there we walked right up on, right up on a big, we couldn't see, it was completely dark, big honking alligator. And we scared it as much as it startled the lovely Anne. And you could hear this alligator plunged into the water and made a huge sound. It was like someone threw a, 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 a watermelon into the water, you know. And I have never seen this woman run so fast in her life. I think she figured she didn't have to be faster than an alligator. She just had to be faster than me. She figured if I could just beat him, I'm going to be okay. She was like Usain Bolt. She was she ran from it. Now, your pastor has issues. I was fascinated. I actually walked towards it. What's that? No joke. I want to find out what that was. That's just my nature. My wife is much smarter than I am. Some people run from the battle. Some people run to the battle. And may I challenge you, ladies and gentlemen? Yeah, we're living in an evil day. But let's make a covenant to stand. God will never leave you nor forsake you. And this too, 
shall pass. The Bible tells us very clearly in Isaiah 43, the Bible says that when we're walking through the waters, walking through the fire, and I love that thought process because we're walking through it. We're not stopping, we're walking through it, one step at a time. And this too will eventually be in our rearview mirror.